0: Welcome back to another episode of Straight from the CPA's Mouth. My name is Nikkei Fabi, and I'll be your host for this episode. The term first only different, or FOD, was coined by Shonda Rhimes, an American television producer, screenwriter, and author who is best known as the creator of the medical drama Grey's Anatomy. In her 2016 New York Times best-selling memoir, Year of Yes, Shonda describes the experience of being a first only different. I am what I've come to call an FOD, a first, only different. We are a very select club, but there are more of us than you'd think. We know one another on site. We all have that same weary look in our eyes, the one that wishes people would stop thinking it remarkable that we can be great at what we do while black, while Asian, while a woman, while Latino, while gay, while a paraplegic, while deaf. But when you are an FOD, you are saddled with that burden of extra responsibility, whether you want it or not. I was not about to make a mistake now. You don't get second chances, not when you're an FOD. Second chances are for future generations. That is what you are building when you are an FOD. Second chances for the ones who come behind you. Joining me today, we have two women I consider to be first only difference in their field. Tope Roth, CPA, CGA and Megan Shrouder, CPA, CGA. Tope and Megan are the co-owners of Roth Shrouder Professional Corporation, a Black and Indigenous-owned accounting firm like no other. Let's hear Tope and Megan's thoughts on breaking barriers in the CPA profession straight from the CPA's mouth.
1: I heard that future casting is an essential tool for long-term business.
0: According to a recent poll, 48% of Canadians say they are $200 or less each month away from down again. <inaudible> 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 Do you think the energy sector... ...the economy is too dependent on... ...Canadian students leaves university with $26,000... ...considering cloud computing for my business?
2: Filter out the noise. Hear it straight from the CPA's mouth.
0: Megan and Tope, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having us. We're excited to be here. Thank you. Yes, we are. Well, we're very excited to
0: have you. Um, So this episode kind of was inspired by an article that my coworker Sharon had wrote called In a League of Your Own for our magazine called Capitalize. Um, So for our listeners, Capitalize is a publication um, that we use to market to post-secondary students, um, as well as the general public to introduce them uh, to the CPA profession. So shout out to Sharon for um, this episode. So in the article, you guys describe your relationship as business besties. So how did the two of you meet? Um, Maybe Megan, do you want to kick us off?
1: Uh, Sure. Yeah, we actually both worked at the Canada Revenue Agency. That's where I kicked off my career. And so we met in 2008. We both started at the CRA. And ironically, we were not friends. And we didn't actually become friends until uh, early 2013, I think, as we were both leaving the organization. And um, yeah, Tope was just, you know, tope. <laughs> uh, she kept coming over to my desk. Uh, I, I, by this point, like we knew of each other, but she sat on one side of the office. And then by the time we were leaving the organization, she was sitting close by and she just kept coming over to my desk and talking and talking and talking. And <laughs> eventually um, she invited me out for some wine and uh, yeah, we kind of kept in touch after we left. Yeah. And uh then eventually we were both working downtown and I texted her to go for lunch. I figured I was working by myself at this point in an office by myself. And so we met up for lunch and we started going for lunch every day. Uh and then we started to, to the gym. Yeah, we oh yes, we went to the gym at lunchtime too. <laughs> um <laughs> for why not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then eventually we were just always complaining about our jobs at the time and one day she said, let's start an accounting firm. <laughs> so we said okay and that's how we kind of started the firm. Pretty much, yeah. That's That's where the idea came from.
0: Right, that's great. Tope, I hear you laughing in the background. What What is your perspective on that? <laughs> is that a pretty yeah.
2: accurate representation? that's the like, you know, the Coles notes. Yeah. Because just like, you know, when I say the story, because at CRA, me and Megan were completely, the perceptions of us were so different. So Megan was part of like the good group and I was part of the black sheep. (laughs) (laughs) So she was part of the the group of friends that didn't really care for me. (laughs) And I just didn't care. They didn't care for me. So I remember I would go up to her and basically like annoy her every day. (laughs) I could see it in her eyes, but I was like, Well, I don't know you, so I can't not like you. So I literally just like harass her pretty much every day (laughs) with like my tales of awe. (laughs) And I feel like I eventually just wore her down and realized she realized she's really not going away.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So this friendship has definitely been progressing and budding over the years. Um, So when did you know that you wanted to become business partners? Uh, Tope, did you want to maybe start us off?
2: Um. Yeah, well, I think, what, I remember we were, we, we drink a lot of wine. Um, that's kind of like a running theme in our relationship. <laughs> <You laughs> i like, like alcohol. We're not. We just appreciate fine grapes. <laughs> 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 but uh, I remember we'd have wine because at that time when we started having lunch wine was, we were... Oh yeah, I know. Well, because it's it's more in perspective. My office where I was working, after we left working downtown, I went and worked in an office that was like four minutes from my house. And so Megan also ended up moving into that office because she was working downtown. So we'd meet at my house and have lunch because it was like so close. Mm-hmm. And uh, we would talk about starting. I'd be like, "What do you want to do with your life? Like, what do I want with mine?" And we both knew just from our backgrounds, like our backgrounds with our parents and our family are so similar. It's insane, like to be be, be so different, like visually, but so same at our core. So I had just Mm -hmm. said to her one day, like, what do you want to do with your life? And she was like, and I'm like, what do you want to do with my life? And I remember the first business we were going to start was going to be a project management business. Okay. And then, um, because like we were already accountants and we were both controllers at different companies. And so that was already there. So we were like, we'll start an accounting firm, but we'll do this first. But then CPA, then CGA, CMA, and CA all decided to merge. And so I was like, Hey, you want to start an accounting firm? <laughs> we should do that first because who knows what the rules are going to be like later. So she was like, yeah, so she had to go and take one extra course, it was one or two?
1: Just one. One yeah.
2: course um because I had taken mine when we did it and then we did the starting a firm thing. And then I think what drove us really was like her dad's a businessman, my dad and mom are business people. I think so we've kind of come from that background of an entrepreneurial spirit. Mm-hmm. So I think together we kind of just I, and I, I, I never even—I don't even know if there really was a, a defining moment. We just mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. Like when everyone says, "When did you start the firm?" It's really hard to give the exact date because I know the date we incorporated, but we just did. There was no point where it was like we were working our jobs and taking meetings. And mm-hmm. Megan had a baby for heaven's yeah. sakes. <laughs> like, <laughs> we <laughs> we literally were like I remember she came to me I it was I think I, I was one of the first people to find out because of the circumstances but she's like so so um I'm pregnant and I was like oh and I'm like we're gonna do it anyways don't worry about it and we just did.
0: That's wonderful. So were there any, when you guys sat down and you decided, okay, let's start a business together, were there any specific questions that you asked each other to determine if your business goals align? I know you mentioned that you guys come from similar backgrounds in terms of of your family owning business, but were there any questions you guys had to ask each other to figure out if you would be successful business partners?
1: Um, I think the great thing about our story is uh, it's, it's not, um, it's not what you would read in, in, in the books of starting a business because there really was no plan. There were no questions. Uh, so it was, it was certainly different in the sense we didn't interview one another. Um, we just, we just went ahead and did, and I I don't think anything is wrong with that. And I do really like to preach that people should have a plan Mm -hmm. and you certainly should know the person you're going into business with. Uh, in our case. We knew each other. We, you know, we had known each other a few years by then. Um, We didn't really know each other. But I think when you want something very badly, uh, you can make it work. Because certainly we went into this um, not thinking of those things and how maybe we wouldn't get along in certain situations or where we wouldn't jive. And we've we've faced those situations. And when we face those situations, what we do is, you know, we kind of be mature, responsible adults about it. (laughs) Exactly. when we first um, started really experiencing those problems, we actually brought in a third party um, to help us settle um, what was going on between us and um, help us to understand one another a little bit better and how we can work together uh, more efficiently. Um, So yeah, we didn't really have those questions for one another. We just went and dived right into it. And again, maybe it's not for everyone but it certainly worked for us and that's kind of the motto we go we go with um mm-hmm. I, I like this saying that it, it's it is good to have a plan and it's you can have a plan and then you can be stuck to a plan and we're certainly not stuck to a plan uh we just kind of go with the flow yeah <laughs> flexibility yes I
2: think at the core of And and that's why it's like there's differences when there's people who are going into business, like we're going to go into business as business partners. But we went into a business as I think even though we didn't know exactly how strong our friendship was when we went into business together, I think our core foundation of doing everything was trust. And I think that was the one thing that we had between each other. Like, now mm-hmm. we're, like, inseparable to the point where it's embarrassing, I sometimes say. <laughs> and I think even people around us think it's, like, we're insane. But that that developed over, like, just the core of knowing each other and, like, realizing how similar we are to each other mm-hmm. and so different at the same time. So it's, like, we're this. Sometimes we're, like, each other's devils and angels on each other's shoulders. So we're not the best uh, frame of reference for each other, but we... <laughs> But a nice compliment. Yeah, like we're definitely like, it's like a weird friendship that we have. So like I I always say when someone says like something happened in the business, like honestly, if the business was gonna affect our friendship, we'd get rid of the business. Like that's legit the truth. Mm -hmm. So it's more like, it's such a different dynamic that I think the trust was what really kind of, we just kind of, even when people were like our naysayers, we would like defend our situation to the core and we hadn't even done anything Mm -hmm.
0: So can you guys talk a little bit about the early days of Ross Schroeder PC? So what did a typical day as new business owners look like? And specifically that kind of transition, sorry, um, from the typical nine to five. Megan, did you want to start us off?
1: For me, it was was very different because um, we've been in business for five years and I have a five-year-old daughter. So, do the math. Uh, I had my baby, and three months later, we went into the firm. Three months later, we went into the firm full time.
0: Wow.
1: Um, so for me, it was balancing becoming a mom for the first time and having a newborn. so and and going from that, yeah, that nine to five job. Um, it was really different for me in the sense that I had this new role as a mom. I was a business owner. We were starting the business. Uh, I wasn't as able to dedicate as much time I guess in the beginning um, because I had the baby at home so when I went home I was with my baby whereas Tope was like working around the clock to get everything set up and I was very appreciative of that but the transition was certainly different and stressful Um, we were both the main breadwinners for our homes at that time I believe right so um, to go from our nine to five into starting this firm uh, there were certain adjustments we definitely had to make. Uh, but I think, again, like we wanted it badly. So mm-hmm. we just made it work.
0: And Tope, maybe you can speak to this, but I know a lot of our listeners are interested in entrepreneurship and starting their own businesses. So can you talk a little bit about how you both built your client base and what that looked like?
2: Honestly, we, because like, I think when we, what the one thing we did agree with is we didn't want to buy a client list. One, they're expensive, and two, you don't really know what you're gonna get. So we started with Kijiji ads. To be honest, that's exactly how we started the firm. We and would we hustle. We'd mm-hmm. go to networking yeah. events and meet different people and talk up our business. I, I laugh back now because when I think of how the conversations we had then at networking events to how opposed to how we would have them now, mm-hmm. I'm almost <laughs> embarrassed. But <laughs> but you had to do it. Yeah. We'd go there, and we're both natural. In social settings, we're both natural introverts. So doing those, um, like I'm a a talkative, uh, extroverted, outgoing person with people I know. Mm -hmm. But when I don't know you, it's a very hard push to put that on and turn that on. But we would go to like every single networking event we could possibly go to. We would post ads on Kijiji, any kind of social site that was pretty much free Mm because, you know, We hosted, oh yeah, we would host um, starting a business sessions at our office and we'd have like wine and cheese. CPA even came to one of them. It was kind Mm -hmm. of interesting. So we we did as much networking as we possibly could to be out there.
0: Yeah. So on the financial side, I guess, in terms of your business, how important is it to be financially literate as a business owner? And what are some of the fundamental financial reports that every business owner should understand? Um, Maybe I'll leave it to whoever would like to answer first.
1: I mean, obviously, yes, it's very I think it's very important to understand uh, the basic financial statements when you're going into business so that you can understand, you know, your operations and maybe the decisions that you need to make. Right. So I I highly recommend everyone to understand exactly what an income statement, balance sheet and cash flow statement is. They're certainly all important. I think one, the, the two main ones everyone looks at is the profit and loss or income statement and balance sheet. But I do think the cash flow statement is very important as well. Um, and just for an example, I, you know, had had a client or company that did really well and had almost forty million in sales, eight million in profits, and uh, you know everything looked great. But cash flow wise, they were going under. So uh, it's very important to know and understand those financial statements, in my opinion. Yeah, and I
2: think like. For us, when we're we're looking at our business, it's different. We're accountants, so it's easier for us to look at our financials and kind of get them. But I think if there's one statement, and it's unfortunate because one of the statements I think when we're in accounting and taking school we hate is cash flow statement. Mm -hmm. But it's actually the most important statement that um, a business owner could understand because I think a lot of times when business owners look at their income statement, they're misled because they're Mm -hmm. not realizing all the transactions that hit the balance sheet that they're not accounting for, especially their own shareholder draws, those don't hit your income statement. So when you see, oh, I have this net profit and you're not going and looking at your balance sheet. So that's where the cash flow it does kind of capture both of that mm-hmm. and shows you your net cash position. So if there's any one statement that a person should rely on I would say it's the cash flow statement of all the statements just because it will capture everything ins and outs it's amazing like Megan said when a company is like has all this revenue and everything and then they're like oh why am I in in a deficit and why can't I make it work they just didn't ever look at the cash flow statement didn't Mm -hmm. realize they have no cash
1: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah so I mean regardless whether you're a CPA or not these are kind of fundamental reports that everyone should be able to at least have a base understanding of
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely, 100%. And also understanding your break-even. I think that's a really big one because a lot of times people do things, like especially during COVID right now, understanding what it is you just need to keep the lights on, your bare minimum, is a really good mental benchmark to have because what I do at the firm here is mostly controllership work with clients. And going through COVID, that break-even, for them to understand, like, this is what you actually need to get by every month. Mm -hmm. The rest of it you can dump. That's a really good understanding to have. So then they when they were fr- when people are freaking out that they can't keep their businesses going, it's like, "Can you or can you? You know what I mean? So like that was a for a lot of the clients, I'm seeing it as they're like, "Oh, darn, I can keep my business going if I cut everything out, that's not my break even right.
0: No, that's great. Um, I did want to shift gears a little bit and talk. Obviously, you guys are both breaking barriers within the CPA profession. Um, You're a company. Megan, you are an indigenous woman. Uh, Tope, you are a black woman. Um, Can you identify a a memorable or meaningful moment where your career as an accountant intersected with your identity Um, as a black woman, Tope, and as an indigenous woman, Megan? Um, Maybe, Tope, would you like to start us off? Hmm.
2: I don't know. I think it's it's honestly the article that was written that was a big one cuz I think when we were both reading the article we almost looked at each other like oh do you know what I mean? So I think mm-hmm. because um we're both Canadian born like I'm Canadian born and just going through everything in the in the daily just getting it done. I know for me it's funny when I go into meetings because my voice sounds the way it does, I get the look and I know what the look is when I walk in. Right. So that's always interesting to me. I gotta kind of find it, kind of find it funny. Um I guess the other one where I thought was kind of cool was when I won my the award and Megan won her award. For mm-hmm. me that was like, oh, I won an award in my first year of business basically. <laughs> but it was Being an Afro-Canadian. So that was kind of entrepreneur. So that was kind of cool to win something so early on. So, but yeah, I think if I'm going to be honest, in a way, we've taken it for granted. Um, We've taken it for granted in the sense of really understanding what we look like to other people. A lot of Mm times other people tell us, they'll say to us, like, tell us how great we are and what we're doing and how great. And we're like, oh, it is. Do you know what I mean? So I Mm -hmm. think for us, we're just doing.
0: That's a really good point. No, that's great. And yeah, I I mean, it is one of those things that maybe you don't necessarily understand the impact that you are having on people until it's already happened and you have an opportunity to either see it on paper or physically feel it in the form of an award or something like that.
2: Exactly.
1: Megan, do you have one? I think for me, there was a comment made one time uh, where this person was very shocked that I was female indigenous and owned a business and um like I felt proud but at the same time it was it didn't feel great because it was like they were they were so shocked that I was indigenous and that I owned a business and so for me I just I'm really working towards that not being a thing that Mm -hmm. we can be recognized um regardless if I'm indigenous or female um, just the fact that I own a business and I'm doing well, the fact that I'm indigenous shouldn't really play a part I guess if that makes sense.
0: yeah it should not be really something hard. exceptional exactly.
1: Yeah and um, so for me that that's what I'm really working towards but I do see um, yeah there's a lot of comments made you know in my community and and whatnot that people um, are not shocked but they're they're happy to see me being successful and if that's an inspiration for someone then great that's what i would definitely like to be of course
0: it's a really big moment um another thing i did want to touch on Tope, um, can you talk a little bit about your identity as a black woman in the CPA profession? I know you touched on it a little bit, but how do you continue to bring um, your authentic self to work? So obviously now with your current um, business that you both own, but as well as maybe in those early days when, you know, you're working for the CRA or other organizations and you may have been, say, the only black woman in the room.
2: Well, I think when I, I have felt the differences throughout my career for sure um I think I try mentally just to not let them um dictate how I operate or how I lead my daily goings-on but I do know like I faced it in every job I think or place I've worked which is probably why I have to own a business <laughs> because I kind of just beat <clears throat> to my own drum and so I do feel like in when you're um when you're a Black woman, and I, the stereotype is that we're um, loud, mm-hmm. and which I am, but okay. Um, <laughs> but other people well, are loud too. But mm-hmm. we're also aggressive. And I think that is the biggest stereotype that I feel like I've had to almost fight without being a part of the argument. So a lot of the jobs I'll have, it's like, and, I, and at CRA was a prime example where I was almost perceived as being one way, but no one actually knew me. So it was so weird because I'm like, how come all these people talk about me? But I actually have never engaged in conversation with a significant portion of these individuals. But I think the stereotype of a Black woman being loud and aggressive kind of almost preceded me. And -hmm. there was nothing I could really do about that. I remember when we were not working at Syria anymore, I would say to Megan, I go, isn't it weird that people who I've never talked to still talk about me? I'm like, I just must be popular. See what I mean? I've never engaged in them. So I think almost like sometimes when you are a black female woman in a a working environment, I think because the stereotype is that you're, you're loud and you're rude and you're aggressive and you're angry, I almost felt like people would try to push your buttons to have you almost justify that narrative. Right. The more I didn't engage, the more people pushed. That's kind of what I've always felt when I would be in those situations. Even, even, it's, it's kind of followed me through my whole life where it's like, so I think because I've always tried to not be that aggressive person, I almost would let things happen to me where people would take advantage of me just so I wouldn't have to engage in the argument because I just don't like arguing. But I'm learning this year, especially this year, that it's not a good way to operate because people do take your um, passiveness for using you. Do you know what I mean? So I feel like that is one thing I think being a Black female has impacted me is where I will try to be less than so that I don't engage yes. in those arguments. But this year, I'm like, you know what? That's enough. I really do need to. I, we, me and Megan had gone to New Orleans last year and we went and saw a, a psychic <laughs> and she had said, rest on your laurels. And it was weird because most people usually say, don't rest on your laurels. Yeah. And she was saying, you're trying to tame your tiger to be kind of like unseen. And I, it resonated with me when she said that because I'm like, I really have been doing Doing that. I've been trying to just kind of toe the line. And this year I'm like, you know what, I'm done towing the line because when we started this business, we weren't um, towing the line. We were aggressive and we were out there and that's what got us to where we are. So I think the last two years I've kind of gone through like an identity shift because we kind of got here so quickly that it was almost like, should we be here? Do we deserve to be here? And this year, I'm like, you know what? That's it. We do deserve to be here. We've worked really hard and we should stop towing the line to make ourselves less than so that people feel more comfortable around us. And that's what I think this year has really taught me is like, we've earned being where we are. We've worked, we sacrificed, we've spent the long hours. We've worked sometimes 20 hour days, sleeping four hours and coming back here again to do it all over again. So I don't think think that we should let our ethnicity bring us down or toe the line anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. And I think it is really important to celebrate your successes and how far you've come. And I think the fact even to probably just the idea of being a first something, it seems so intimidating and it seems so scary. And it, it's interesting to know that in 2020, we're still celebrating a lot of firsts. And it's a good reminder that there's we still have so much farther to go.
1: For sure. I completely agree. Me too. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So one thing that came out of um, the article that Sharon wrote for our Capitalize magazine, and Megan, you did mention it um, earlier, was that idea that people are shocked to find out um, that you're a business owner but that you're also indigenous and this is just more of a general question but how do you believe that businesses can continue or begin to push for more diverse equitable and inclusive workplaces
1: um i think you know just embracing uh Every you know culture and the diversity and within the office and here at our office, like we have a very diverse team. <laughs> but you know, um, maybe on Indigenous National Indigenous Day, there's even if it's just an email recognizing that day. Mm-hmm. There's the Chinese New Year. There's all sorts of special holidays for various groups. And I think if um, employers recognize those, and it doesn't have to, it's not like you need to have an elaborate party or anything, but just recognizing it by sending out an email and saying, hey, today is, you know, Chinese New Year, and we recognize those within our office, or maybe there is none in the office even. Uh, I think just the, the employers really making that effort to make everyone feel included and to celebrate their heritage and cultures.
0: Yeah, I agree um tope did you have anything to add to that as well
2: you know i think it's for me because i i get i have like a mixed bag on um the inclusion inclusion and diversity especially right now with the black lives matters movement because for me it was it's like the other here this is a crazy example but i'll just give it i saw that the the current bachelor he's a black man right and i'm like why did it take that black lives matter to have a bachelor as a black man. And so I'm almost like why I feel like inclusiveness should be every day. It should be Mm -hmm. all the time. It shouldn't take someone not being able to breathe to make these big box people say, oh, let's make a black man the poster boy so that they should we show we're not racist. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Because there's not it's not just black lives. So I've been struggling with it, to be honest with you, because it's not just black lives. There's Asian, there's indigenous, there's East Indian, there's so many different races. And so it's like, I would have almost been more respectful of ABC or CBC or any of these news outlets if they had put an Asian man as The Bachelor because it's not just black lives. So I'm almost kind of like, I'm getting to the point where a lot of it is starting to feel almost disingenuous
0: right. just
2: because it took that for this to happen. But I'm like, what to me would make things seem better right now is if all races were being lifted up. Mm-hmm. Not just, cause it's almost like now I'm starting to feel like I'm like, is it white and black now? That's crazy. It, mm-hmm. And that's not the world. The world is a lot of different races of all different backgrounds, of all different ethnicities. And so I don't want it to become so much because of this Black Lives Matter that the other races that have been through struggles and have been through trials and tribulations don't get apart. Do right. you know, does that make sense? I think that's the struggle I've been having a lot lately because I'm just such a logical person and when I think through things, and I'm like, logically, this doesn't make sense because now it's almost like, Black lives have almost taken a stronger stance than other races when that shouldn't be the case. So we should all be at the same stance. And so I think that's the struggle I've been facing lately. Like I, I it's so bad because like when I saw the bachelor thing, I think I texted Meg and I was like, of course. <laughs> and she's probably just like, shut up. And I'm just like, no, I'm like, I gotta say, this is insane. Like it's it's a bit much, it's overkill at this point.
0: Yeah. So what I'm really hearing is that it's important to be constant and consistent with um, in terms of like diversity and inclusion and equity in workplaces. It's a constant battle. It's not something people shouldn't view it as a checkbox. It should be something that's constantly top of mind.
2: The last thing you want to do have now is another race have something this horrible happen to them and because of that horrible tragedy then all of a sudden that races lives matter they should always all matter is how mm-hmm. i'm looking
0: at it
1: mm-hmm.
0: right so just to kind of wrap up, I really appreciate um, all of your thoughts here and your vulnerability and everything that you've shared. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to share your experience today. Um, before we wrap up, though, I do have one final question for you. Um, what is one thing you both would like to accomplish in 2021? Oh,
1: geez.
0: <laughs> 20,
2: well, oh. I, I wouldn't mind opening because so before COVID, me and Megan were going to expand. But because of COVID, we there was we really couldn't do it. Like our, we were launching our expansion like the month or two after COVID hit. So that's all been put on pause. So I wouldn't mind seeing us go back and kind of be able to accomplish even the one location this um in 2021.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That would be like
1: mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, I would say the same. My business goals certainly um, like Toby said, we were getting ready to launch the expansion. Um so what we've done in the meantime is we've been uh rebuilding uh spoiler alert (laughs) (laughs) we're doing a a a rebrand so we're hoping to launch that very soon in the new year and uh run with that to open hopefully some new locations and expand the business so that would certainly be my business goal um and my personal goal. So when you first start a business, you work so hard and you're putting in all the hours and you think that's, um, what you should be doing. Right. And you almost, you wear yourself out. And so my goal for 2021 personally is to not be hard on myself Mm -hmm. when I take a weekend off that, you know, I can take a weekend off and it's okay. And I can enjoy that weekend. And so that's really my goal for 2021. Great. Just to give yourself some grace. Yeah.
0: Well, I I do wish you both all of the success um, as you continue to expand um, your corporation. So once again, I thank you both so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having us.
0: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Straight from the CPA's Mouth. This episode featured Tope Roth, CPA, CGA, and Megan Schrouder, CPA, CGA, co-owners of roth Schrouder Professional Corporation. Don't forget to subscribe to the Straight from the CPA's Mouth mailing list for exclusive content. If you like what you're hearing, have ideas for future episodes, or have any feedback you'd like to share, email us at knowledgecenter at CPAalberta.ca or leave us a comment on social media. Straight from the CPA's mouth is brought to you by the CPA Education Foundation. The CPA Education Foundation is the charitable arm of the Alberta CPA profession, providing up to $1.2 million each year in support of business and accounting education in the province. This podcast is just one of many resource materials available through the Heshi CPA Knowledge Center. This virtual hub features Alberta CPAs sharing their unique perspective and vast expertise on topics and issues such as leadership, finance, entrepreneurship, and more. Visit CPAalberta.ca foundation for more information on the Heshi CPA Knowledge Center and to learn how Alberta CPAs inspire success.